Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. In this episode, the soul of work. So here's an interesting exercise. If I ask you to draw a picture of a heart, well, most of us can do that pretty easily. Of course, there's the stylized symbol, now an emoji, that we use on Valentine's and to express love in a symbol. There's also, of course, that muscle that keeps us all alive, the human heart. I'm no good at anatomical drawing, that's for sure. But nevertheless, we have a visual image, a representation that is something that we all share and can be easily sketched by almost anyone. Now, if I ask you to draw a picture of a soul or the soul, where do you begin? You actually have no material or physical representation of the soul. And I think about this when I think about the heart and soul of business. The heart of the business is usually expressed in terms of the emotion, of the vision, of the dedicated, passionate people that work in that business, the good positive vibes that make up the core of that business and its culture. But what do we mean when we say the soul of a business? Well, this is an interesting one because when I think of soul, many things come to mind. There are some historical references. First of all, the soul leaving the body, sort of in literature and religious texts and other common references where it's, um, it's related to spirit, but it has a more earthy or more um, time-bound sort of connotation. And certainly if your business dies, the soul will leave your business. I, I have no doubt about that. But this is just an interesting concept to play with. Another association with soul, and for me personally, growing up in Michigan in the 60s, there was what we called soul music. And this typically, of course, was black music, we think of a few folks like the Righteous Brothers. They were, their musical style was called Blue-Eyed Soul, and I think that's fair. But soul music had a depth, uh, a fervor, a feeling, uh, a rhythm, a pulse to it that distinguished it from the more bland, commercial, and quite frankly, uh, <laughs> distinguished it from the oftentimes pale and pasty white music of the pop charts. So soul music to me was also something that you felt a visceral connection to. For example, when I was in high school, I worked for our local radio station in a small dying Rust Belt town of 10,000 people, WJOR, Worst Junk on Radio. They might still be in business, I don't know. But my job in high school was to go to a different church each week, set up microphones, hook them up to a little console, hook up telephone wires to that, 
and broadcast the service to the listeners. And it was a fabulous course in comparative religion on an experiential level. Because when I went to the Black Baptist Church, they had the gospel choir. People were moving, clapping their hands. You know, sometimes there was bass and drums. You felt this music. You felt it in your body, and I dare say you felt it in your soul. So I take these historical references, and I think about the soul of business. I've been influenced by a couple mentors in this regard. One of them, when I had just left the ski industry, and make no mistake, the ski industry was fun, and oftentimes I would find myself in stunning, beautiful outdoor settings, uh, but the actual commerce of selling ski equipment, um, back then, even today, I mean, $1,000 for your equipment and your clothing that you might use six or 10 or 20 times a year, there wasn't much soul in the commerce. So I had left the ski business and was taking some workshops. I had gone back to school. I actually got a bachelor's degree in transpersonal psychology. But along that path, I met an author, got the chance to listen to him speak, and um, had a few words with him, got him to sign my copy of his New York Times bestselling book, The Care of the Soul. And so I found a passage in that book about how Thomas More views this relationship between work and soul, and I'd like to read it for you. Whether we do it with mindfulness and art, or whether it takes place in unmitigated unconsciousness, work affects the soul profoundly. It is full of imagination and speaks to the soul at many different levels. It may, for example, conjure up certain memories and fantasies that have special significance. These may be connected to family myths, traditions, and ideals. Or work may be a means of sorting out issues that have little to do with the work itself. It may be a response to fate. We may find ourselves doing work that has been in the family for generations, or working at a job that appeared after a number of coincidences and chance events. In this sense, all work is a vocation, calling from a place that is the source of meaning and identity, the roots of which lie beyond human intention and interpretation. So there's a lot packed in there. I'm particularly struck by this idea that there's a deeper element to work, some of which we may be conscious about, some of which is sort of operating uh, without our conscious knowledge, maybe on an archetypal level, these patterns that play out in the lives of our families and the choices that we make and sometimes are forced to make around work. You know, I also am struck by this term uh, we have your line of work or your your career, it's an occupation. You know, what's your occupation? You, know, you fill in that blank on uh, numerous forms. But we never stop to think about, well, so the foreign army occupied this defenseless land. You know, it was an occupation, a takeover. Interesting how that one word can mean two different things. To occupy is to live into something or to live at some place. And so I think that this idea of occupation, vocation, calling, career, 
it all points to something deeper that engages the best of our potential, the greatest level of awareness and competence to do a good job. And there are so many good jobs in the world. There's a few that I would not put in that category, like making the nastiest of pesticides, for example. But I'm frequently struck, and my wife and I, uh, well, we just commented this year with all the changes in the tax laws, we cannot imagine being an accountant and working in that industry. I mean, I think at a certain point, which would probably happen very early, I would either just run screaming from the building and say, that's it, or would go back to my ancient habit of uh, abusing substances that I don't do anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, and people sometimes uh, have said to me, gee, Flip, you go into these companies and you're dealing with pissed off people, you're dealing with sticky, gooey relationships, unresolved conflicts, and you, you think that's fun? I mean, you like doing that for, for your work? And the answer is yes, I do very much. Soul is something that is deeper. It's something that can't be seen, but it can be felt. At least you can see the manifestations. You just can't see it directly. And I think about companies that have soul. Um, I think, uh, of course, we use them a lot in uh, communities that, um, that I connect with. But, you know, Patagonia has this soul of the outdoors. Everything they do, even their casual wear, is related to or is connected to this sense of environmental stewardship. It's in their DNA. It's something that they talk about even when they're not talking about clothing. And uh, now they have gotten into an expanding line of food items because they believe that that presents an opportunity for making significant change. Therefore, soul is not static, but it is a dynamic thing. And something that I think, speaking personally, as I go through life, it's gone from an abstract concept to something that is more felt and experienced without it being sort of top of mind or tip of tongue. Another profound influence in my understanding of these deeper elements of work has been the poet, author, speaker, David White. It's W-H-Y-T-E. And his book that had the biggest impact on me as I was starting Business Culture Consultants is called Crossing the Unknown Sea, Work as a Pilgrimage of Identity. And in this book, David uses the metaphor of sailing, of ships and sails and currents and captains. So here's a passage from Crossing the Unknown Sea. Where we find obstacles in the physical world, the soul finds a shoreline, which is a frontier of arrival between the visible and the invisible. The soul of an individual is the longing inside each person for a greater sense of belonging, for a new country. We go through most workdays forgetting that this grand migratory force exists within us. We may feel a small satisfaction in a step taken, while the soul feels as if it is anchored off the promised land, with just a short road to bring it home. 
At the level of our souls, no matter the difficulty in our work or the responsibilities or the possibility of failure, entire new worlds are coming into being. So when I think about my various careers, going from being a furniture craftsman with my own woodworking shop to being really good at fitting ski boots, being a cross-country and windsurfing ski instructor, being the product manager of a ski equipment company, being a mobile crisis clinician, being the executive director of a nonprofit, starting my own business, doing coaching, consulting, and facilitation. Looking back, I think that I was looking for the meaning and fulfillment that this sort of soulful employment can bring us. But it's not something that we can just go out and say, ah, there it is, I found it, it's complete, nothing else I have to do, because it is part of the process of aligning our conscious awareness, our best energies, our opportunities, and again, as both Thomas More and David White mentioned, our obstacles and failures in this rich mix of experiential learning. I'd be curious in terms of how you see your work, the business that you own or work in, and what does having a soulful experience actually look like, feel like? What does it mean? How might you be able to increase this dimension of depth? And how can we all have that depth of experience and fulfillment without it getting too heavy uh, or too contrived. So the soul of a business, an interesting dance. I'll be doing it until I leave. Thank you. This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.